Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Race and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking rates and lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is the podcast where we try to improve your bottom line. This is the Race and Lanes podcast with me, Rico Muhammad. We are going to be joined tonight. Once again, our resident mentor will be joining us here shortly, Mr. Chuck Snow. But we are going to start off things as we normally always do, and that is with the USDA Fruit and Vegetable Truck Rate Report. We are seeing a little bit of movement in the report. I will have this posted. It's not posted just yet. But we will have it posted up on the Rachel Lane's Facebook page for your pleasure for you to go back and get the uh, entire in-depth report if you want to read that on your own time. Uh, but this week's report, we have a good bit of movement that is taking place in the marketplace. We start off looking at the areas where there may be some serious opportunities to affect things on the spot market. And those areas where we have some serious load-to-truck ratio shortages, South District, California, Eastern North Carolina, Lower Rio Grande Valley, Texas, Mexico crossing through Texas, all of those areas right now are currently experiencing a major shortage of trucks. So there is a great opportunity to have better rates on the spot market if you're working that area. It's an area that you might want to make sure that you are getting getting uh, freight to go into to be able to service that market. Some other areas that may present some opportunities that have slight shortages, Mexico crossing through Nogales, Arizona, Imperial and Coachella Valley, California, Kern District, California, Oxnard District, California, Salinas, Watsonville, California, Santa Maria, California, Basically, the entire state of California is right now is, is in flux, and you can get some pretty good rates on that spot market. Also, Central and South Florida is still showing a little bit of a slight shortage in those areas. Uh, Florida is kind of kind of the uh, exception to the rule. You want to be really careful when you're dealing with Florida. Uh, West District Florida is making a first. Uh, appearance on the USDA report, they have tomatoes that are beginning to move out of the West District of Florida. So um, make sure that you've got something lined up before you just go willy-nilly into Florida. Make sure you got something lined up uh, to take care of you on your backhaul. Uh, areas that you might want to avoid, areas that have a surplus, slight surpluses of trucks, uh, once again, we talked about the anomaly of Florida. Well, guess who makes the area for first person on the list for a slight surplus of trucks? Florida. So, like I said, stated earlier, when you're trying to go into Florida, work in that spot market, make sure you got your ducks in a row before you go in there. Don't get caught in there with your pants around your ankles and then, uh, you know, be like, I should have never came into Florida. This always happens to me. you got to be prepared before you go in there. If you can do that, and get something out of there to, uh, where it makes sense, more power to you. 
other areas with slight surpluses, Columbia Basin, Washington, Yakima Valley, Winchester District, Washington, those areas are experiencing slight surpluses on the spot market right now. San Luis Valley, Colorado is experiencing an outright surplus. So those areas that are rattled off right there, those are some areas that you definitely want to avoid if you can. Moving right along, jumping over into this week's EAT trend line report. Uh, for May 28th to June 3rd, the national average rate increased for vans, reefers, and flatbeds. It increased across all segments. Uh, with rates for reefers and flatbeds hitting their highest mark in nearly two years, load, and, load the truck post on DAT's load boards declined to the four-day work week Following, following Memorial Day, yet the van-to-load-truck ratio hit its highest level since 2014. Uh, very encouraging, very encouraging to hear that. Let's jump right in and see how the uh, U.S. National Van Demand and Capacity report fared for the previous week of May 28th through June 3rd. Normally during a four-day work week, we expect to see a 20% drop in loads and posts, but demand was greater than expected nationally. Load posts declined by 4%. Truck posts declined by 21%. That caused the load-to-truck ratio to increase by 22%, up to 5.1 loads per truck nationally. The highest weekly ratio in more than two years, the national average van rate jumped up five cents from the previous week. Um, one thing that um, I like to try to tell everybody, and I, I have to try to constantly remind myself that hopefully, you know, we're trying to grow the podcast, and we may have new listeners that are tuning in. And that five number that they that they listed, that is an absolute for drive vans. When you are at drive vans, you are a five to one ratio. That is an absolute uh, um, seller's market. When I mean seller's, by the I'm, I'm thinking of the truck driver as you're selling your services. You are in demand, and you have the opportunity to demand great rates. But you have to understand that you are in that position of power. That's why it's worth the money to spend a little bit extra, regardless of what load boards you're using, whether you whether you're using DAT or if you're using uh, truckstop.com or any of them, try to get pay a little bit extra so that you can see exactly uh, real-time the service provided by those load boards, what your, what your position is in the marketplace. Try to understand whether or not you can actually have a little bit of leverage in the marketplace. That makes all the difference in the world. And if you have that little bit of leverage when you're dealing on the open market, on this open spot market like that, that makes the difference between getting a lot better rate and just settling for a rate to uh, reposition your equipment. Continuing on uh, from a historical perspective, May load-to-truck ratio increases by 8%. Van load posts jumped 22% in May compared to April. Truck posts also rose 13%, contributing to an 8% increase in the national load-to-truck ratio at 3.7 van load. 3.7 van loads per truck. The ratio was up 109% from where it was in May of 2016. Taking a look and seeing how those rates were performing, 
for the same time over the previous week of May 28th through June 3rd. Van rates increased in 71 of the top 100 markets last week. As a national average rate jumped five cents up to one dollar and seventy-three cents per mile on average for drive vans, rates increased in almost all the major van markets, including Atlanta, Dallas, Chicago, and Los Angeles. The national average diesel price dropped by one cent last week to two dollars and fifty-six cents per gallon on average. The national average van rate, from a historical standpoint, increased two cents in May compared to April. At one dollar and sixty-nine cents per mile, the national average rate was fifteen cents higher than it was in May of 2016. Just to give us a little bit of historical perspective. Moving right along, jumping over, switching into the flatbed uh, side of things the National Demand and Capacity Report for flatbeds for the week of May 28th through June 3rd. Flatbed load and truck posts fell last week, as expected during the week that included the Memorial Day holiday weekend. Load posts declined by 12%, while truck posts declined by 22%. That caused the load to truck ratio to increase 13% up to 38.8 loads per truck national average flatbed rate moved higher last week. Historically, compared to April, flatbed load postings dropped 3% in May, while truck postings rose 16%. That pushed the load-to-truck ratio down 16% to 36.6 loads per truck nationally. Compared to May 2016, the ratio has soared by 117%. That's for flatbeds. Moving on over and looking at the uh, rates, I'm sorry, I need to back up one second, ladies and gentlemen. I jumped ahead to the flatbeds, and I didn't give you uh, U.S. van rates by regions. We'd like to try to give you some perspective how the regions were performing on that spot market. So let me back up and go back to the uh, go back to the uh, uh, spot market rates by region. And starting out in the northeastern portion of the United States, for dry vans coming out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, we have an average spot market rate of $1.70 per mile for dry vans. Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, Atlanta, Georgia checks in showing average spot market rates of $2.08 per mile. Moving up to the Midwest for dry vans, Chicago, Illinois, Checking in, showing average spot market rates at $1.99 per mile. Moving down into the south central portion of the United States, Dallas, Texas checks in, showing average spot market rates at $1.77 per mile. And moving over to the west coast, Los Angeles, California, leading the pack for dry vans. Average spot market rate coming out of Los Angeles is $2.17 per mile. So that's really strong. And I apologize for that faux pas. Now let's jump back over and pick up on the U.S. flatbed rate information for the previous week. Um, for the week of May 28th to June 3rd, spot market flatbed rates increased 2 cents. 
last week to a national average of $2.12 per mile. Historically, taking a look back, flatbed rates increased three cents in May compared to April. The national average of $2.10 cents per mile was 18 cents higher than it was in May of 2016. Taking a look around the country with flatbeds, flatbed rates starting out in the northeast, Harrisburg, PA being the representative city, leading the pack, $3.41 per mile on the spot market flatbeds coming out of Harrisburg. Moving down into the southeast, Atlanta, Georgia checks in, showing average spot market rates for flatbeds at $2.61 per mile. Moving up into the Midwest, Rock Island, Illinois checking in, showing average spot market rates at $2.56 per mile. Dropping down into the south central portion of the United States, $2.45 per mile on average coming out of Houston, Texas. Jumping over to the West Coast, actually coming out of Phoenix, Arizona, being the representative city, showing an average spot market rate for flatbeds at $1.76 per mile. Moving on, jumping over into the reefer demand and capacity report for the week of May 28th through June 3rd. Week over week, Load and truck posts were down, but not the 20% that would be expected during a four-day work week. Reefer load postings declined by 13%, and truck posts declined 11%. That caused the load to truck ratio to dip 2% to 7.6 loads per truck. The national average spot market rate for reefers rose last week. Uh, let's take a look historical standpoint, reefer load posts in May were 21% higher than they were in April, and truck posts increased 17%. That led to a 4% rise in the load-to-truck ratio from 6.6 up to 6.8 loads per truck nationally. Compared to May of 2016, the load-to-truck ratio was up 98%. Taking a look at how the U.S. reefer rates were performing, for the week of May 28th through June 3rd. Taking a second to load up here. There we go. The national average reefer rate increased by three cents, up to $2.04 per mile, the highest weekly rate average in nearly two years. Rates jumped double digits in Dallas and Grand Rapids, but fell double digits in Florida, like we were talking about on the USDA report. Florida is that anomaly. It is very volatile. Even though you may have some prospects down there, make sure you got your ducks in the boat. Don't get caught down there and, and uh, you know, not expecting. You got caught down there and with a double-digit drop in rates in Florida, you wasn't expecting that. And you took a cheaper rate just to get into Florida. You set yourself up for uh Put yourself in a vicious cycle. You can't get that back. So make sure you get yourself prepared before you go in there. Uh, historically, spot market reefer rates increased eight cents in May compared to April at two dollars and two cents per mile. The May average was thirteen cents higher than it was a year ago. Taking a look around the country at spot market rates, 
starting out in the northeastern portion of the United States, Elizabeth, New Jersey being our representative city, coming out of the northeast, spot market rates on average at $1.67 per mile. Jumping down into Florida, being the representative city for the southeastern portion of the United States, Lakeland, Florida is reported $2.08 per mile on the spot market. Moving up into the Midwest, leading the pack as normally as it always does, Green Bay, Wisconsin, showing average spot market rates for reefers at $2.69 per mile. Moving down into McAllen, Texas, the south central portion of the United States, a strong $2.10 per mile coming out of the Rio Grande. Moving over to the left coast, west coast, coming out of Fresno, California, Strong, strong, $2.41 per mile on average coming out of Fresno, California. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up this week's DAT trend lines report. And before we go and check to see, I want to check one more thing. Okay, we have have it in place. I'm trying to get over here to get the uh, bad broker report. want to give you guys the updated bad broker report if I can get it to uh, get it to populate. Uh, trying to see if I can grab it. While I'm waiting on it to populate, I see that we do have our resident mentor on the line. I'll go ahead and bring him up and on board. And ladies and gentlemen, it's a perfect opportunity for you guys. If you got questions, if you know what you want to talk about, um, if it's not something that we can help you out with or assist you with, if you want to know uh, a rate on a given lane, press number one. We'll try and get that information up to you, see what we can find for you on the spot market. Press number one. We'll try to help you out with that as much as we possibly can. But let's go ahead and grab our good friend, resident mentor, while we're waiting on that bad broker report to come up. Let's grab Mr. Chuck Snow. Chuck, let's see if you can see if we can get you up here. Can you hear me, Chuck? And now, Rico, how are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Well, good now. I was having a bit of problems dialing in, but it looks all good now, so we can carry on. Well, I, we got a full bank of calls. Thanks. Thank goodness. I, I like to see a lot of people on the line, uh, which is normally the case. We normally have a good caller participation on the show. Uh, I would like to see a little bit more caller participation as far as uh, 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 asking questions or something like that, something that we can help out with to give us something more to do. I mean, we try to give them some good content on our own, but we definitely welcome as much caller participation as we possibly can get. You know, like my wife always says, we learn a lot more when we ask a better question. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what's going on with you guys while I'm waiting on this uh, report to populate over here? What's been going on new with you guys up in traffic? I know that you're having tremendous success out of that Chicago office. I know we, we, we talked a little while last week, but uh, catch us up from, from where, where we left off at last week. Well, Chicago is just, uh, it's unbelievable. We are busy there. We're busy in Ontario, too. And as you outlined in the DAT report, things are busy all over right now. This has been a, it's been a great year. Um, it's been good for everybody. 
and um, you know, talking to a lot of the carriers that we do business with, everybody seems to be on the up up. You know, there's a lot of apprehension that the world's going to fall down come December 2017, but I don't think it will. I think we are, as an industry, I think we're a pretty tough bunch and we're pretty resilient, and we're going to make it through this e-log transition. And I think that for the most part, most of the carriers are going to figure out how it works. Now, there are those carriers there who basically run an illegal business because they can't scale their business with the amount of hours it takes for what they charge, and they're going to be in problems. Um, and if you run a business that's not scalable, that's what happens. But I think all of the smart operators I'm talking to, even if they're still using paper logs, they're transitioning, they're doing things legally. Um, you know, talking to a lot of the operators out there, the smart ones aren't worried about things along, you know, along the lines of the uh, the bonanza that's on right now with checking trucks at scales and ports of entry, uh, because the good operators are legit anyways. And if you're worried about your equipment and how you run your business, because there's, um, you know, there's a bit of a boon on right now to, to, for me to hear the law, uh, and this happens the beginning of every June, you got a problem. You know, your brakes should be good. Your lights should be good. Your, um, your hours of service should be good. Your equipment should be good. Some of the guys I see out there, they bring on their own problems. They drive around in dirty trucks. Uh, they look disgraceful themselves. And, of course, when those guys get called in for a, an inspection, they'll throw the book at them just because they don't look professional. And I think you and I have talked about this before on the show, and this is so important right now with this blitz being on, that if you do get pulled in, you want to look good. Make sure your truck is clean. Make sure you're clean. For God's sake, make sure that your everything is legit, that you've got all your paperwork and that's in order. When you when they call you into the scale house and they want to see your paperwork, they want to see it in order. They don't want to see a messy file folder. And the easier you make their job, the easier they're going to make it on you. And I've seen that time and time again right. where our own drivers have gotten into trouble because they look like they're going to the beach or their paperwork wasn't organized. So if I, can give, if I can give you a hint out there, ladies and gentlemen, be prepared. Uh, you know, as they say, hope for the best and prepare for the worst. Absolutely. And make sure um, everything's in order. Well, we talked earlier. I said we wanted some caller participation. We got someone that's got their hand raised. Go grab him real quick. Let's go grab Kevin. And we're still waiting on this bad broker report to load. And once we get it up, we'll we'll dive into that. Uh, but let's grab Kevin in the meantime. In between time, uh, Kevin, you're up and on board with Rico and Chuck. Can uh, can you hear us? Yeah. How's it going, Rico? How's it going, Chuck? Real good. All right, Kevin. Great to have you on. My question for you, lads, is um, I don't drive truck much anymore. I just part time. But eventually, I would like to get back into it. Right now, I operate uh, heavy equipment here in New York City. But for me, to the information you're getting there from DAT and all that, can I access that? Because most times when you go on these low boards, they want a DOT number and, you know, just to get a yep. subscription. But if I want to track stuff like this, you know, to see the trends and stuff, is there anywhere I can just 
get a subscription to that without heavy DOT number, et cetera? Absolutely. You can go on to DAT's website. Uh, you can go on to uh, – there are a couple of different websites you can go on to, but that's report specifically. Uh, you can subscribe to their RSS feature. You can subscribe to where it'll email it, and it'll, it'll come directly to your email box. Go on okay. DAT's website and, and type in uh, trend lines. And uh, they also have some really good blogs on uh, DAT that you can avail yourself to. But, yeah, absolutely, you can get that report. Uh, we, of course, we post it up on, uh, if you're on Facebook, and if you happen to like uh, our Rates and Lanes Facebook page, uh, we'll, we will have the link for that up there, and we also try to post the link to the um, USDA Fruit and Vegetable Report as well. We try to post all of those links, anything that we can get a link to, that we can point you in the right direction here, uh, we try to post it up on the Race to Lane Facebook page uh, just to help everybody out get a, get a hold of it. So if you're on Facebook, okay. by all means, go like us on uh, Race and Lane over there on Facebook, and uh, and we'll have it for you over there as well. So we've got a couple of different options there. Okay, no, because I just, you know, I, I've driven, I don't know, I've been driven, I drove in Europe and I drove here, but I never actually took any interest in, you know, rates or lanes or anything like that, you know, I just picked up a load and went with it, you know, because I always work for a company. Right. But um, now that, now right. that I'd, I'd like to eventually get my own truck down the road, not right now because I have a, a young son, but later on in life, and, um, you know, just because I just want to know as much as I can. This, this show is great for that. Like, I wish the show was around 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, we appreciate it. <laughs> but uh, well, we thank we, we, we thank you. We definitely thank you for tuning in and, and showing us a little support there. Yep. No, and uh, what Chuck was saying there before about um, how you should try and load up as much as you can on a truck. When I was driving in Europe, I used to haul reefer, fridge as we call them. But um, we would go out with fresh fish, but we could come back in anything. We often came back with uh, excavators inside in the fridge, inside in the back of the trailer. <laughs> you know, because it's just, it's, wow. it's, 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 as they say, if there's a will, there's a way. We would get them in there. You know, there's so many ways to 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 bring load, different loads back. You know, it doesn't have to be uh, perishable. So. That's right. But, uh, as but long I, as you have those tie down equipment. What's that? As long as you have the tie down equipment, you can do it. Well, our floors and the in the fridges in Europe, James, our our floors and the fridges in Europe are um they're kind of like a rubber a rubber floor because of, it was fresh fish or there was no pallets it'll be all be in fish boxes. So we'd actually have uh, rubber floors. We put the machines on because they'd have uh, metal tracks on the floors and they'd never move. We just brace them with pallets wow. and we'd done it. So they never actually, uh, they never move. That's something I've never seen. Yep. No, no. Well, some of the some of the, the customs officers that uh, when we got back to England, they weren't uh, too impressed with it, but they couldn't do anything about it because the load was secure. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm sure. <laughs> yep. So, anyway, thank you, guys. I'll say, uh, listen to you guys here now. I love the show. Thanks very much for all the information. Thanks for calling in. All right. Appreciate it, Kevin. We'll put you back on hold. Let's see, and let's go and grab Steve real quick. Steve, you're up and on board with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? Hey, I'm, it's, glad, it's good to talk with you guys. And I got a question I need to ask Chuck. Um, I was listening to Henry Seaton on the show. And he was talking about the FISMA, the uh, Food Safety Modernization Act uh, that they passed. And um, and I'm hearing reports 
that because of the Food Safety and Modernization Act, a lot of the brokers are redoing their contracts and putting a type of addendum in their contract saying that the shippers and receivers have the sole discretion of uh, crushing and dumping of the freight, uh, you know, without uh, some of them without even looking at the freight. Um, he gave an example about how a guy picked up a load of water and his truck broke down and he delivered it the next day, but uh, they rejected the whole load and said that the um, the water was contaminated just by sitting on the truck too long. And he tried to file it on the insurance company, and they said USDA inspected it and said that the uh, said that wasn't anything wrong with the uh, load of water. And at the end of the day, that freight bill fell back on that truck driver because the insurance are not uh, did not uh, uh, you know uh, did not a uh, did not do the claim Wouldn't cover it. on there. Right. And so, and I wanted to ask you about uh, your company, Traffic. Uh, do you guys have any addendum um, like that in y'all in you guys' contracts, or how how would you deal with that um, if an issue like that well, ever come up? You know, it, every case is going to be measured on its own merits. Every situation. Um, you know, you talk about a load of water being contaminated if the water was supposed to go i'm just going to use this as a bad example from la to phoenix on a hot day um and let's say it's a five or six hour trip but it ended up sitting in a hot trailer for 24 or 30 hours i could see where that water may be contaminated because nobody wants that water sitting in plastic bottles in a hot trailer so you're going to have cases like that where as compared to a load of water uh, in the middle of April going from Indiana to Michigan when it's 60 degrees or 65 degrees Fahrenheit, there would be no damages. So I think everybody is trying to uh, feel out where this thing is going. And it's brand-new legislation. Nobody wants to take responsibility. And I think if they if everything is put on the shoulders of trucking companies, we're going to have to get paid for taking that responsibility. Right. And whether it's, whether it's insurance or it's paid out of your pocket, doesn't matter if there is nothing wrong with the product. But I can tell you from my own experiences um, in produce and, and hauling other things too, that everybody these days is paranoid of litigation. Oh yes. You know, the lawyers have made a mess out of this world, and I'll go on record saying that. I'm not saying every lawyer is bad, but I'm saying as a as a profession, they have ruined things for everybody. And yeah. it goes down to, you know, everybody is so litigious and everybody is paranoid. And that's why if you were reading in uh, in any of the trade rags, the previous administration in the U.S. wanted – uh, $4 million liability insurance in the U.S. Right. From, from mobile carriers. And that's been quashed. And i got to tell you something. I think you really do need it because of all these ambulance chasers out there. And, yeah. and the same goes for this. We are in unknown waters with, with this food because what makes it, you know, really, uh, 
what was the situation around that water that was rejected? And they said it was contaminated. Was it just well, a shipper I, trying to be, you know, what happened there? Well, um, it, they just based, well, it, from what I'm understanding about the uh, thing, it picked up one day and supposed to be delivered the next, but in transit, his truck broke down, but he was able to get it back going again, and he delivered on the third day. But because of uh, them, you know, because of he was late or whatever like that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Heron said that without them even looking at the water, they just considered it contaminated by it being on the truck too long. And it, it's just a ball of water. And, um, and, and like I said, and, and what's, what's the scary part about that is the insurance didn't step up and play the, pay the claim because the uh, – um, they inspected it, and the, and the inspector said wasn't anything wrong with the water, and so that fell back on the truck driver. And that's scary for a new carrier just starting out, um, starting out in that area. And so, and that's let me that's let me, let me inter- interject some of this in here. And I, I understand where you're coming from, but that goes back to how important that it is uh, to understand to make sure that we are reading our contracts before we get it. Get ourselves into them. Make sure that we're reading the contracts. Make sure that we actually have the coverage for those uh, contracts that we're signing. A lot of times, you know, this is not just getting dumping the truck, ride around and drive. We are business uh, businessmen and women. We are operating a small right. business, and we are we we have to hold ourselves accountable to make sure that we are trying to get a little bit more sophisticated because. Just like Chuck said, we are in a litigious society, and every which way, if somebody can find some kind of way to um, skirt off their responsibility and put it on you and them not be responsible for anything, then they will do it. And But the, the, the sad part about the whole situation is that for the most part, most uh, uh, small smaller carriers are not sophisticated or don't, don't even take the time really to even read what's in mm-hmm. the contract. Most of most, unfortunately, most people don't even understand the rights that they have that they're signing away. in most broker contracts where it says that you're willing to waive your rights under, um, you know, certain FMCSA articles and things like you know, and, and under the, the U.S. Congress. Uh, um, the, the commerce calls acts and stuff like that. We, 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 all that stuff that in that says that you're willing to waive your rights to that. Well, what is it that you're waiving? Do you even have? Did you even take time to see to look at that article that it says you're going to waive your rights under that article? Did you go see and read that article and, and see exactly what it is that you're waiving and why is it that they want you to waive that? You know, uh, um, most most people haven't. Most people haven't even taken the time to even understand that part to even to even do that. So what we try to do here is we encourage, we want to encourage uh, more sophistication. We want to encourage, but we don't want to make it to the point where it's so sophisticated that you can't understand it. We try to, and that's the purpose of us trying to bring on more and more people such as Chuck Snow, such, such as Hank Seaton, right. to take time out of their schedule to come on and break this thing down for people that are willing to listen. You can talk, some of the stuff that we talk about here, and you can go in the truck stop and try to have the same exact conversation, but, but some people, unless they are open to uh, really trying to improve themselves in, the, in their business, they're really not really trying to hear 
the nuts and bolts of what it is that we try to bring on this podcast and, and, and even the mm-hmm. uh, entire audio road network, the stuff that we're trying to talk about, everybody's not really into that. Everybody's not listening to that. Everybody's not going to participate in that. And we can't save everybody, but hopefully we can get enough people, we can sound off and, and get enough people to in, in enough people's hands to where the top 1%, the top people that are wanting to do their business at the top level, hopefully we can, you know, those are the people that we can talk to and those are the people that we can help educate. And the people that are not, that are, that are not paying attention, those are going to be the competition that you're not going to have to deal with in the future because they're going to right. be out of business because they didn't do the right. things that, that they needed to do to protect themselves nor their business. Right. Well, one of the, you know, one of the biggest concerns that I have is that, you know, I, I'm a type person. I, I, I believe in reading every line and, and understanding um, every line that's in a contract. And, um, and, and, and I get that. Uh, one of the things that I'm looking at is that, especially with a small carrier just getting started, um, you know, they send a, uh, a agreement over for you to sign and you go crossing out and saying, hey, I'm not going to agree to this or do this or whatever like that. Most of the time they'll be like, well, fine, you, you don't have to pull out freight and stuff like that. And, you know, and it, and I know it can be kind of hard, you know, more like a hard knocks thing in an area, especially whenever you're talking about startup costs, whenever you're opening up your new company and everything like that. And, and I mean, I guess, I guess, you know, I guess it's just something you have to just keep searching for brokers to find the right contract that will fit you where the freight won't outrun your well, insurance, I guess. One thing that you just said that is I got I gotta I gotta I gotta you 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 can have relationships with brokers and if they don't have antiquated contracts that require all that great. But mm-hmm. you are a motor carrier and you don't have to have a broker. So you have to go right. find your customer. Go find okay. your customer, and you're, and and that will eliminate uh, a lot of that where you're having to go through these long twenty-one page manifesto contracts that's trying to get you to waive all of your rights, this, that, and the other. Go deal directly with the shipper, and that'll help ease a little bit. I'm not trying to say that's going to uh, wipe away everything. But that'll that'll put you in a little bit of a better position so that you can uh, be able to provide what you need to be able to provide and and not uh, sign away all of your rights in the in the in the same in that, in that process. Okay. So I, I, I appreciate the comment that you brought up. I want to add something here. That I'm sorry. I think that everybody listening should should understand that people in our industry don't get. Okay, and that is the almighty bill of lading. I cannot believe right. how many small carriers and large carriers don't respect that bill of lading. The number one, the bill of lading right. is the contract between the trucker or the motor carrier and the shipper, and then when he delivers the receiver. So it's really a three-way contract. That's number one. Number two, what people in our business don't realize is a bill of lading, when we sign the bill of lading, it is the transfer of title when that product Come is on. under our care and control. And I want everybody out there to listen to this. When Whether you're hauling water, 
or you're hauling yogurt or you're hauling machinery. When you sign that bill of lading, you own it until you deliver it in good order. It's under your care and control. So you need to put that extra strap on if it needs it. You need to make sure that you pulp that produce. You need to do all those things to protect your company and to protect yourself. And that is my biggest bone I have to pick with motor carriers today. An awful lot of people have gotten into this business that don't understand that very simple aspect is the bill of lading. You need to make sure you sign it. You sign it right. If the bill of lading says... That you are the carrier uh, of record. Gig, yes, sir. That's right. And you put your name on that bill of lading. Um, you make sure you have your company name. If it's Bill's Trucking LLC, you make sure Bill's Trucking LLC is on that bill of lading. That is everything to do with our business. And you make sure, no matter what, if you don't count it, you don't sign it. And if, if you go into a place, they don't let you on the dock, you may have to sign it shippers load and count. Don't be signing for things that you didn't count. If they put 21 skids and you get to the other side and they tell you they're 10 cases short, I signed for 21 skids, not 1,270 cases. Unless you're going to unless you're going to count 1,270 cases, and that's where carriers get into trouble all day long. Okay, I, I, I do appreciate the the conversation, and uh, and you guys really give me give me something to really think about in that area. And again, I do appreciate you guys. Well, we appreciate you calling in. Absolutely. We appreciate the phone call. Thanks for the support. Um, but, yeah, Chuck, you were definitely preaching to the choir on that thing, especially on that bill of ladies. And that's, what, that's why it's so important. We try to bring, like I said, we try to bring you guys on, such, such as yourself, that have experience, that have been through some of the uh, tumultuous times in our industry to help guide some of our guys that got aspirations to grow their fleets and get bigger and do different things you got an opportunity to talk to somebody that's been there, done that, and can help lead you and help guide you and help, you know what I'm saying, just kind of point you in the right direction. Not going to tell you what to do, but at least give you some 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 actionable information so that you, you know what I'm saying, it makes the uh, mind feel a little bit easier to navigate. And that's why we definitely appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to come on with us as much as you do. I enjoy it, Rico. Okay, so my other report doesn't seem to be wanting to cooperate with us too much. Um, there is some news maybe coming no, down. Rico, what do you know? No what, what are you? <laughs> I doubt that. We're gonna, we're gonna, I think we're going to get it before the night's over with. I'm trying to work on it right now. But what, uh, what do you know about this uh, thing coming down? about the split sleeper berth. I know that you uh, guys got your own set of regulations up there in Canada, but I'm hearing stuff coming down that they're getting ready to do a study on um, split sleeper berth here in the United States. Have you heard much about that, or do you know anything on that one? I know a little bit, and I can tell you it's, uh, they're looking at, I think they're taking 200 drivers, um, and they're going to do a study, and I think it's the best thing I've heard, you know, in the last 10 years. 
uh, come out of our industry as far as any regulation or change to it or thought of it. Um, and I think that the split, the split sleeper berth is brilliant. It works as long as you don't abuse it. And where guys end up and girls end up abusing it is when you're sitting at a customer's dock and you're hand-bombing freight or you're uh, waiting to get unloaded and you're not sleeping and you put yourself in the sleeper berth and you're not sleeping and then you go out and you try to drive for uh, 10 or 11 hours and you overstay your welcome behind the wheel, that's when we end up getting into trouble. So, you know, as long as people use this split uh, sleeper berth to their advantage legally, okay, because um, a lot of stuff can happen out there and, and the roads have gotten worse and I think that I think you have to be more awake now than you ever did. Um, you know, and I don't think there's any, any room anywhere to be up all day and drive all night anymore. It's, those days are over. But uh, this split sleeper berth works really well when you have a team operation because, you know what, it's a long time to sit in a truck for 10 hours uh, while the other person does their hours. Uh, number one. Number two, it works really well for those of us that are disciplined and they're driving into a metropolitan area, whether it's New York or Chicago, and they can pull off ahead of the traffic rather than blow five hours doing 20 miles. They can pull off somewhere if there is a place and go to sleep for five or six hours and get that nap, and then they can get that five or six hours back. So that would be a real help to this industry, and I hope that this study doesn't take five years to do because we really need the study to come back positive and we need to show these guys that this is going to work because it's just it's such it makes better use of the equipment that's one of my big concerns right now in uh, for our industry is when you look at the cost of a new piece of equipment and you take the 70 hours in a week uh, that we're allowed to run that equipment you can't get your money out of it you know, when you're talking 130, $140,000, $150,000 for a power unit, that's not including the cost of your trailer. And if you can't run that thing more than, you know, when you start losing hours because that truck is sitting in a traffic jam for countless hours of that week and it's not turning miles, nobody's going to be able to afford, whether you're big or small, to stay in business. And I think these guys are starting to recognize that. So they've got to give us some leeway. So, uh, I think it's the best thing. What do you think, Rico? Uh, so far, I, I definitely think that we need to explore the split sleeper berth and bring it back to where it is actually a little bit more usable than what it is right now. I mean, we still have, we do have the split sleeper berth, but the way that it's structured right now, currently, it is terrible. Uh, you have to take the way they have it now. You have to take your eight hours. Um, continuous that has to be your first break and then of course it stops the clock stops the 14 hour clock and that that's the whole thing you know right. this thing of this uh 14 hour clock the way that they got it structured you know we need some type of some type of leeway some type of uh, uh way that we can make things a little bit more manageable on our end as the driver as the captain of the ship and like you said when you can't stop that 14 hour clock it gets a little. It gets a little hairy. Oh yeah. And they make all of us into lawbreakers because some of these laws you just can't 
you can't obey. It's impossible. Right, right. And I, I think that um, with that, like I said, with hopefully with the 14-hour, hopefully I'm not sure how long it's going to take for that to, uh, results to come back on that and for things to get implemented. Also, I see that they um, implemented some, um, and i got to pull this thing up. I hadn't had a chance to pull it up in front of me. But the new rule for um, new entrant, uh, new entrant uh, 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 drivers, um, I seen that, seen something come down in my email about FMCSA has some available, uh, uh, change some restrictions and regulations on the new entrant drivers. Uh, you got anything on that? Well, I think it's a long time coming. I think we need to have um, we need to we need to have changed this thing a long time ago because there's. Too many people out there uh, that get their driver's licenses from unknown sources, put it that way. I'm sure we all read Transport Topics and all the other and Common Carrier Journal and all the rest of them, and you see these charges of people that have gotten their license by bribing officials and people that are running uh, illicit schools. And I'll tell you, um, I do all the road testing at our place. I, I insist that nobody else does a road test but me. Everybody laughs at me, but I'll tell you what, the insurance company loves it, and and I like it too. And you know that a few times in the last year, I had to drive the truck back myself because the guy I was road testing didn't know how to drive. And wow, most of the, yeah, most of the newer drivers I've seen, I was have not been impressed with. And you know, we do try to stick to two or three years. Um, experience before we let anybody uh, work for us. The odd time, if somebody uh, comes highly recommended and they've done an awful lot of things and they just, their certain type will consider them. Um, but usually, if they've gone to one of two schools up here, and uh, I got to tell you, I've seen, to, you know, I've seen some real bad training. So I think we need to, we need that space to give people a chance to get into the industry and get trained properly, um, you know, under the tutelage of, of good trainers. And, and, you know, even the, some of the large carriers, um, I can't believe who they've got working as trainers. Now, some of them are phenomenal. I've met them. But, you know, I remember once I was road testing a trainer uh, years ago, an ex-trainer, that uh, he was a uh, he was like a road boss. He was taking new drivers out, and he was working for one of the biggest carriers in the United States. And we were going to do the pre-trip, and I said, "Well, aren't you going to check the brakes?" And he said, "No, I don't know how." He said, "Where I worked, we had uh, we just take the truck to a terminal every day, and we would go through the safety lane." And, <laughs> and this is the trainer. Okay, so we've got to stop this nonsense, and we've got to put disc brakes in every tractor and trailer in this continent. So I think that this this change of entrance into the truck driving profession, and I say that seriously, it is a profession. This is not, it really uh, bothers me that this, uh, you see the ads for truckers, for truck drivers goes into general labor. This is not general labor. Um, this is a skilled profession as far as I'm concerned. And it's not easy. And, you know, there's people that have been doing it for years and years that still have challenges because of how hard it has become for the drivers. 
uh, just because traffic is so crazy. And every time I travel somewhere in the U.S., I was I just drove down to Chicago uh, two weeks ago, and I, I it just reminds me how bad the car drivers are. I really can't wait till they come out with the self-driving cars. Um, you know, at least we won't have all those idiot <laughs> car drivers out there. So I think this is a good okay. thing, um, and I can't wait for them to do that up here as well. All right, let's see here. I think I think we may have some action here, Chuck. I'm trying to get this thing it's oh, loading up. It's loading up. I'm I'm trying to get in here to uh, get the report pulled. And let me double check while I'm while I'm still waiting. I want to just check and make sure. Okay, we got a couple of people that. Uh, do we got new? Yeah, let's go to Sean. I think Sean. We hadn't had him on. Let's grab Sean. Let's get him in real quickly. Sean, you're up and on board with with Rico and Chuck. How can I help? Well, I talk to you guys all the time. I'm just in Quebec. I just travel all over the place. Um, I was listening to CNBC today. And it looks like oil has bottomed out today at $42. And their trading Whoa. range has been about, yeah, the trading range has been around 45 to $50. Might go above that a bit. But now we're at the bottom of the trading range. I don't know if anybody plays, uh, buys the uh, commodity. I know it's our biggest cost, and I don't know if anybody hedges on it. But if you do hedge, now would be a really good time to look at that market. If not, you should expect the price at the pumps to go down a little bit more uh in the next week I can't tell anything after next week because we don't know what we're going to be looking at uh for the market opec can't be very happy right now but whenever opec wants to do a cut we just fill the market up with more oil out of the north american market so so i don't That's see right. oil going very high above 50 and i don't see it going very low below 40 at this point so so i think we're looking pretty good i know people who are looking for the uh Fuel surcharge, uh, I'm sorry, but there is not going to be a fuel surcharge right now. And that's too bad because you know what, Sean? We're At the end of the day, I've said this before, we're all in the oil business. And when fuel's more expensive, we actually do make more money. Yes, I understand that. It's just that it's problem right now is we got too much oil in the markets. Yep. Well, I guess we got to, so, you know, we got to bring back those uh, those trucks that get five miles per gallon and use up some of that oil, boys. Well, I do have that five mile a gallon truck. I'm trying to get it up to eight and nine miles, but it's kind of frustrating when you're running triaxles across Canada. Yeah, it's not going to work. <laughs> no, not really. So, I don't know if I'm under your load. I did have a load one time. It got rejected. It was pineapples. And it was uh, for the company right. that starts with an S and an Y. The next day, we right. brought the load. Same same place, they received it that day. Yeah, you know what? That happens sometimes. And uh, and I think, Sean, it, it matters how bad they need those pineapples. Sometimes there's no warehouse space, and they just reject it for the heck of not having a warehouse space. Yeah, you know what? Uh, a fast, funny story. I remember one night my son was out at a uh, he was out at a function somewhere, and he called me. He said, "Listen, we got a problem down at the yard. Uh, there's a couple guys I gave a load to, and they smashed up their truck. And then the third guy went, and he picked up the truck, 
and it's uh, it was rejected by one of the big grocery stores. Can you go down the yard and take a look at it? So I met these guys down at the yard, and the the one driver had that went to do the rescue with his tractor. Uh, he had a little bit of experience. The two guys uh, that smashed up the truck, they had like I think one of them had a month experience. The other one it was his first trip out, and uh, and it was a load of cantaloupe. And the cantaloupe were all, it was all over the trailer. It was a mess. So I called my son. I said, you know what? I don't know if this can be fixed. I said, all the cases, because of course, cantaloupe, if it's, if the cases are a little bit moist and they're heavy fruit, uh, the cases will collapse. So he said, listen, they're desperate for those cantaloupe. Uh, do what you can. So we started an infirmary in our warehouse and we unloaded the cantaloupe and we repackaged everything. We put masking tape on it and made it look as pretty as we could. And we used a flatbed trailer as our operating table and we fixed up the whole load. And the big grocery chain took the same load, although it wasn't real pretty, they took it because they needed those cantaloupes because they were in the flyer for the next morning. So you're Uh. right. You know what? When they need something, when they need something, they'll take it. And when they're, freezers or their fridges are full that's when you're going to have a problem and you'll get an easy rejection or be told to wait for hours right so it's got to be marked on the bill of lading that uh, uh that that you're not going to be responsible for the load i guess is that what you need to do no because you're first of all you are responsible for the load so it's delivered now what you would mark on the bill of lading is arrived at shipper um and if the load is rejected there is a what you have to find out the reason for rejection. Uh, rejection can't be because they don't have room. They could tell you to wait till the next day, and that's really common throughout the grocery industry all over North America. That is like almost standard operating procedure. If they haven't sold the pineapples that day and they've got a whole fridge full of them, they will they will tell you to wait until they move some of their pineapples out. Uh, that's part of part of the whole produce thing and that's why sometimes we make an awful lot of money when we load produce in our trucks is because that's the risk that we all take you know that's just part of it if you ever have a load rejected there are avenues to go to um, that will work with you to get to the bottom of why it's rejected if it's rejected because you cooked a load and you know you've got a load of uh, pineapples that we're supposed to travel at 37 degrees Fahrenheit and you brought them in at 75 degrees, you just bought a load of pineapples. And that should always right. be on the right. bill of lading. When you load your produce, what temperature? And you get, you know, Chuck, get that signed well, off and make sure it's before, on the bill. Before we get out of here, we good. We good. coming up against time. I want to try to get this in. I'm going to go real quick on this bad broker report. Micro Logistics LLC, Micro Transport, their MC number seven three six eight eight two. FMCSA shows trust fund set for cancellation on six four seventeen. Almost fifty seven thousand dollars in non active payment complaints have been reported. Omni Specialized LLC, their MC number is nine five seven six four one. FMCSA shows. Surety bond canceled. Three thousand dollars in non-payment complaints have been reported. The next one on the list: EMR Logistics. The MC number is eight four seven three five nine. 
FMCSA funds, uh, FMCSA shows that trust fund is scheduled for cancellation on six seventeen over one. Excuse me, over twelve thousand dollars in active non-payment complaints have been reported. Georgia Line Logistics LLC MC number is actually. We don't have a MC number for Georgia Line Logistics, LLC. Uh, It says FMCSA shows trust fund is set to cancel on 621. Over $5,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. Arrow Logistics, LLC, the MC number for them is 689-363. Over $30,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported to truckstop.com. And C&J Logistics, Inc., the MC number for them is 420-657. FMCSA shows that the surety bond is scheduled for cancellation on 629. Over $152,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. So make sure that you are doing your due diligence, ladies and gentlemen, that you are uh, vetting your uh, customers, your potential customers, before you put that freight on your truck so that you can get paid. Uh, with that being said, Chuck, you want to give the people uh, your contact information, how they can get in contact with you, and we're going to wrap it up and get out of here for the night. Okay, buddy. Well, if you want to call me, you can call me at the office at 800-388-4352, extension 203. And I got to stress, it's dial extension 203, or you're going to go through dozens and dozens of people all looking for me, and it's going to be a waste of everybody's time. Uh, you can send me an email, Chuck, C-H-U-C-K, at traffics, T-R-A-F-F-I-X dot com. I do answer all emails. I, under, I answer all my voicemails. If you need a load out of the U.S. for points within the U.S., call my people at the Chicago office. The extension there is 743, and their phone number is 888 253 8010 and I'm sure my team would be glad to look after you. Tell them you heard me on the podcast with Rico and we'll be extra special kind to you. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you again, Chuck, for taking time out of your busy schedule for joining us tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Rakes and Lanes Podcast. We come to you every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. We try to deliver you the best actionable information for you to keep your business running profitably. Tell a friend, refer a friend, look for us on Facebook, look for us on Rakes and Lanes on Facebook, and you can reach out, like us over there. Those links are up and on board on Facebook for your viewing pleasure for that full report for FMCSA. For Kevin and Lisa Rutherford, uh, I am Rico signing out here out of uh, Atlanta, Georgia. We'll talk to you guys same time, same place next week. God bless you and good night. Y'all keep it in between the mustard and the mayonnaise, and we'll talk to you next week. God bless, Rico.